Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. This is episode 40 and we are discussing scanning this week. But first, my name is Ryan Bailey and joining me is my good friend Mark Carey. Mark, how are you? Very well, thank you Ryan. Um, We've only been gone a week from the previous episode but a lot has happened in football we've not even kicked a premier league football yet but uh, a lot has happened it's not been uh, a slow news week has it it's been um it's not been one where you sort of kick back and think oh i wish the football world was a bit more exciting currently there's been, there's been a lot happened just a little bit obviously it's reached its crescendo um this week we obviously had jack Grealish moving to to man city in the previous days he's already had a debut which is great to see in Mad. the community shield um, or whatever shield it's called now. Um, <laughs> and obviously, Lionel Messi going to, to PSG is is very, very strange. And I think obviously we saw it play out that it was going to happen. Um, but until I saw that three-minute introductory video on the PSG Twitter, I don't know if you saw that, it was full on. They must have paid the guy with the drone quite a lot of money to uh, to fly around that much around yeah. the PSG ground. He, oh, he earned his wages that day. And, yeah. Uh, and then you saw him obviously in the center of the pitch. I was like, "This is weird." It, I didn't. The amount of teasers as well, Mark. Did you see? Did you see the amount of teaser videos they actually let loose before that happened? They were essentially just shoving it in our face before before we saw him on the pitch. I know, and I I was the fool who watched all those videos. Nothing happened. <laughs> you weren't the only one. Right, right till the end, I was like, "Yeah, you know, going to happen." And nothing was there. They got, they got a lovely gift shop. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Do you know what? You are right though. I I'll ask you how you how you feel about the whole thing in general, but there's something not quite right, is there? As two people who travelled uh, for a weekend away a few years yes. ago to make sure we saw Lionel Messi in a Barcelona shirt. Um I never thought the day would come that we saw him in any other shirt. 
so that yeah it hasn't quite sunk in yet and I think that the whole situation was a bit odd really wasn't it I never thought that in the statement of Messi leaving the words sort of regulations and uh, contracts and everything would be used I thought it'd be a, a glorious goodbye but you know it the fact it was tissues in hand because of finances was quite sad really wasn't it yeah I I I mean, I explained it in, in a in a piece that I wrote uh, this week by starting by saying it was a truly heartbreaking moment to see him in that position for all the reasons that you said. Like mm. a player of his caliber and quality doesn't deserve to be to to go out. For, he's not retiring, but to go out from um, the the club that he's played for for all his career doesn't deserve to go out that way. Um, but I said it was a heartbreaking moment, and, and I do stand by that. I think a few people in, in the comment section of the piece that I wrote were they picked up on that as, as something which they they were just like you know that Barcelona have done this to themselves, and obviously Messi's past with uh, with finances is not completely clean. But um, <laughs> I, I think you know take that away, and it, it is just as as a human, he was stood up there in, in absolute pieces. Mm. Um, it, it was really hard to watch, and you just don't want to see that to, you know for him to. To leave Barcelona that way, considering what he's done in the game, is absolutely ludicrous. What he's what he's done for Barcelona, and to see him go out like that, it is unfair for everyone. Really, you want him to go out with all of the fans adoring him, much like the way that we obviously saw Iniesta go out yeah, um, at yeah. the new Camp. Um, no, you it's are a strange right. One. I mean, it'd be weird not to mention the fact that he is now part of a Neymar. Mbappe and Messi front three it's essentially like you know FIFA where you used to be able to just like click on players and and transfer them you know in the settings page just so they could play for whoever you want it's essentially like someone's done that and PSG are now that team aren't they in every position honestly yeah well you know there's obviously with with Suarez Neymar and and Messi that was uh, MSN wasn't it this is M&M M&M which is is fun so uh, they better not lose themselves in the music (laughs) the moment um but Didn't yeah see that there'll be there'll be plenty of m&m jokes throughout the season stay tuned well quite rightly so are they going to be able to play together mark is that team going to work is that team of absolute superstars sandwiched into one formation is it going to work it's a very good question time will tell so i'm not i'm going to probably swerve your question ryan but i, okay. I think that the main for me the main uh problem is there is what they do off the ball not obviously, okay. obviously, not what they do on the ball. They're three of the best players in the world. That's that's no question. But um, none of them really work back that hard, and it's they're allowed to do that um, given you know the quality that they have. So I think that you can get away with one, maybe two, doing it. Obviously, uh, Mbappe and Neymar did it a bit more last season, but three of them puts a lot of pressure on the midfield and the the defense. So uh, when you don't need to do that against Dijon. On a Saturday, yeah. it's yeah. fair enough. But then, when you do come up against half decent clubs in uh, or teams in the Champions League, it's a different story. So, I'm sure that Pochettino is able to to sort that out, that dynamic out when it matters. But um, be interesting. It's a pretty amazing job for him to have, but also if it doesn't work, that man is going to be under some serious scrutiny isn't <laughs> for for right or wrong. Uh, mad that we're talking about the week's news and we haven't even mentioned the fact that Romelu Lukaku signed for Chelsea for is it 115 million. Absolutely bonkers. Yeah, another ludicrous amount of money. Um, what do you make of that one? I think that's uh, that's an interesting one. It feels to me like Lukaku has a point to prove from, from mm. himself, which I'm quite excited about because I think that I was never a huge fan. I think we mentioned episodes ago that I wasn't a huge fan of him at Man United. 
Yeah, uh, but yeah. it feels like he's an absolute transformative player, doesn't it, now, having had some time in Italy where the whole side was built around him and he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, it feels like he could be the piece of Chelsea's puzzle that makes them the team to watch, I think, this year. Uh, I think they're going to be a pretty scary outfit with uh, with him in the team. And the fact he's come across for £115 million and it wasn't even the top news story is absolutely huge. Harry Kane must be livid because he was having a right old news story before the whole last week came along and now no one's even bothered, are they? I know. Harry who? <laughs> Can't remember. Yeah, Harry Kane's had to go back to Tottenham. And uh, But yeah, I mean, is there anything else we've missed this week, Mark? Well, I mean, we've, we've, we're true to our podcast here because we've started with the fan side. And we've got to drip in a little bit of analytics to make it an analytics podcast. And I am I'm proud to say <laughs> that there's been a lot of coverage um, for uh, the analytics model that we have spoken about in previous uh, episodes, Expected Threat, yes, um, which uh, which Tom Warville has, has framed as the new kid on the block of analytics, which is very true. Um, yeah. It's it's you know it's getting more and more into the mainstream media, not least to. BBC Radio 5 Live, which is fantastic to uh, to know. Um, Chris Sutton talking about it. I was going to say flying the flag. I think he was scrutinising it a little bit. He's trying to take the flag down, mate, but yeah, he's still yeah. talking about it. It was Rory Smith flying the flag. But uh, but nevertheless, it was covered. Um, and uh, and Tom covered it uh, a little bit on Talk Sport as well. So it's got some great coverage um, in more mainstream media, um, which is great because that's the whole point of our podcast as well, is to, to help educate and to help explore these uh, these new concepts and they're go. getting more and more uh, weaved into mainstream media so it's fantastic to see and hear absolutely and uh, first plug of the previous episodes of the evening for listeners you can yes. go back to listen to episode 19 uh, expected threat uh, at some point at your leisure uh, but for the time being we have got another concept to explore this week mark haven't we shall we uh, shall we get into it yeah i'm really looking forward to this one let's get into it Okay, so this week we're back to one of our favourite pastimes, which is exploring a footballing concept. Uh, This week we're going to discuss something called scanning. Uh, Now, before we delve into what exactly we mean by that, let me read you a definition uh, from a leading researcher in this field. And that definition is a body and or head movement in which a player's face is actively and temporarily directed away from the ball with the intention of looking for information that is relevant to perform a subsequent action with the ball. Okay, so Mark, that sounds great. Are we essentially, my my sort of filter instantly is saying, are we talking about awareness here? Are we talking about when you're not on the ball, sort of knowing your surroundings and being aware of what's going on around you? Is that kind of kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah, exactly. Um and that's everything from the Football Fan Analytics podcast this week. <laughs> it's been I think a great episode. We'll was, see you next week. <laughs> it was honestly that was fantastically described, really. And I think this is something about this uh, this concept is that it's not a difficult one to to grasp, but it's it's really interesting, and we'll go into why it's really interesting. Um, but it's it's very self explanatory. Uh, you know, the definition really hits the nail on the head, as as you'd imagine. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of just gathering gathering pictures, and as they said in the definition, gathering information. Um, to know yeah what your surroundings are and it's one of those which feels really obvious but it's a true skill um, Mm. when done properly and when done really well and it's noticeably better when you do a lot of it Um, so I think that's what's kind of key and that's what we'll come on to. I think it's safe to say straight off the bat that when I'm playing my bog standard level of football I don't think I do this I don't think I scan do you know what I mean maybe I do 
once every minute or something. But but I, I feel like when you're playing, you, you're very much watching the ball most of the time, aren't you, to, to see what's going on and thinking where do you need to be, etc. But I guess at the highest level, players are constantly just head over their shoulder, aren't they, to see what's how, how to find the space they need to be in, etc. Or, or, or just know what's around them. No, exactly. I um, uh, yeah, I forgot to tell you this, but I uh, I played five aside this evening, and a ball came into me, and it comes back to what you're saying. I'm not good enough to be able to to scan, scan frequently and also watch the ball come towards me because I need to get a touch on the ball first. But I had a ball coming into me, and the last time that I checked, I had a player who was kind of just behind me, a little bit to the left. So the ball came into me from the right, and I flicked it just behind me, thinking, "Well, he's still there," and he basically pushed up towards <laughs> the left wing. And it, but it, it, it's funny, but it's it, and it, the ball went loose. But it's it's an exact example that I scanned probably about four or five seconds ago, rather than yeah. the elite footballers will come onto how frequently they do it. And the last picture that I had in my head, the teammate of mine was behind me. Um, so it did kind of come come to reality to only today of just how uh, how much of a skill that it is. And uh, I think it's important to sort of say as well that it is it is kind of yeah off the ball looking around your shoulder having yeah. eyes in the back of your head sort of thing and I think it's yeah important to say how different that is from having kind of good vision on the ball and the sort of Meza Ozil Martin Odegaard David Silva sort of slide rule pass like that's that's a player and obviously Kevin De Bruyne being key at that you know for Man City um that's an example of someone who's very good on the ball and having very good vision. But this is getting scan- your head up when you've got the ball, kind of thing. Exactly. Whereas this is scanning is is at the moment um, we're talking about off the ball, um, yeah, gathering information rather than necessarily on the ball. Well, because you're right. Because actually, something you hear a lot at the moment, referring to players like Mason Mount, for instance, mm-hmm. you hear commentators and pundits and coaches say he's very good at getting into pockets of space and and knowing where to be and finding space away from other players and I guess that comes from good scanning isn't it and, and sort Absolutely. of knowing if you're right next to someone moving away from them and keep checking to to find what's around you I guess I guess that's what they're talking about when they refer to pockets of space and stuff it's not really to do with on the ball is it? it's to do with making yourself available absolutely and this is where scanning is that skill which is is I guess undervalued probably be the key word there that it's it's something which as I say if you do really you know if you watch a player for for five minutes if you're lucky enough to get back into stadiums then you'll see just how much they do it but I think you take it for granted because naturally we we watch what's going on on the ball um so you you don't look at the you know the nuances and the subtleties of what Mason Mount does but he's an example of a player um who when you're in, on his team, you're re- you really value what he does. Um, but Absolutely. Some, but some people maybe, if they were to just watch the the game for you know for Chelsea or England, they might not see a great deal of what Mason Mount does. But um, he's a very intelligent footballer for that reason that he's able to have pictures in his head, and you don't realise that he's in a pocket of space because you know he take it for granted. But he's that's that's not by coincidence. Absolutely. Some, so we obviously had a bit of a look into this subject, and one of my favourite. Uh, things that we've picked out is from a training ground guru article which which said that Arsene Wenger was actually a really big believer in the importance of scanning um and there's a quote from 2019 which we really enjoyed which is what is interesting is that very good players scan six to eight times in 10 seconds before getting the ball and normal players would scan even three to four times in 10 seconds that's absolutely bonkers Six to eight times in ten seconds. I, I mean, you, if you try and do that right now, I've got my headphones on. I'm, I'm turning. That that's every every <laughs> more than every other second, isn't it? 
I know, yeah. And if you if you watch a video, um, there's some video examples online. Um, and if you if you watch a video of uh, Frank Lampard is is one example. And you you don't again you don't realize because he hasn't received the ball. And when he does receive the ball in this video, he doesn't do a great deal with it. But he's in a good pocket of space, and you know he moves the ball on. But uh, again, it just shows that you you always think like, how can you surely like do that? But it's just constantly just having pictures in your head um, yeah and again the elite footballers know exactly what to to do when they receive the ball and on Arsene Wenger he um yeah he's, he's definitely kind of pushed this idea and I think that um he's the most well-known kind of within football but um more he's becoming more and more known now but the uh, the sort of the pioneer of it from a sort of a research perspective is someone um called Gier Jordé um, and I hope that I've said his name right um, but he is a uh, Norwegian uh, professor um, in the, the School of Sports Science. Um, and he did his, his thesis and his PhD uh, on the role of vision, perception and anticipation in elite level performance. And he started this going back into 1998. Um, and it's only become you know recognized in, in more recent years. But he's actually been doing this research for a long time now. So again, it's what I'm saying about it being you know, undervalued maybe not in in the game you know amongst elite professionals but as sort of quantifying what that is it's only starting to you know reach more and more again like mainstream media or or from a research perspective and one of the studies that he did actually concerning Frank Lampard um, was that they researched 64 players over 1,279 game situations okay and uh, just breaking it down to kind of what you said before um specifically with Lampard and Steven Gerrard, they found that Lampard scanned 0.62 times per second. So essentially breaking it down to six times every 10 seconds. Exactly the same. But um, Gerrard was was pretty similar as well. Um, And they looked at that relationship between the number of times that a player scanned before receiving the ball and their pass completion. And those who scanned the most had the highest pass completion essentially so there is that relationship between the the amount that you scan having that picture and knowing obviously then to execute execute the pass as well and it's not a foregone conclusion it's it's not that scan more you'll have a higher success rate but there's a relationship there as you would imagine well absolutely and also bring it back down to the bog standard basic level of football that we all have a go at playing how many times do we all get the ball and think we're playing a first time pass out to our left and the player who was at your left has now moved you well, know that was it, me it happens all the time. yeah that's what happens isn't it all the time and uh and yeah it's 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 no coincidence is it that the the top players basically are doing this yeah and as i say we, we think of those top players lampard gerard being key to those i think for me any one of the Barcelona um, players of that 2010 squad. Mm. I'm just thinking, but obviously many other Barcelona players, they've clearly trained from, you know, La Masia um, and it's just in their ethos. But you think of the likes of Xavi, Iniesta, Sergio Busquets and just how good they are in the middle and obviously Lionel Messi as well. But um, we'll come on to the differences in the sort of number of scanning required between different positions, which I think is interesting. Um, But... They, you know, the things that they they see, the pictures that they have in their head. Um, I, you know, I think someone said to me like it's it's a bit like being an owl in that you're yeah. constantly your head is constantly turning. Um, yeah, that's the, a good the example. Amount they must do it as well is is unbelievable, just given how much they look after the ball or looked after the ball. I always think of Thiago actually off the top of my head, thinking of who I would say straight away because he's brilliant, isn't it? Just sort of you can see as the ball is played into, he looks round over his shoulder very quickly and then turns on the ball, doesn't he? He's really good at doing that. So yeah, that's who that's who I would think of uh, current currently. 
Again, a player from Barcelona. Exactly that. So we've spoken about some players who we know have accomplished uh, inverted commas scanning. Um, if I was to ask you what makes a player good at scanning, you know, what makes someone what makes someone better at scanning than another player, if you see what I mean? Um, what what is that? Is it is it the timing of it? Is it the frequency of it? All all those sort of questions are coming to my head about what actually do we put our finger on and say this makes a player a good scanner? Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think as as well. First of all, it's it's something which can be trained and worked on because it's something which we said you know we're not very good at, but it's something which could and should um, be done more and more in training. And it's some... and be coached rather than naturally almost having it as a oh I, I was born a good scanner yeah exactly yeah um, which I, I think that you know the Frank Lampard example I think I remember reading something where his his dad um, you know from a young age used to say things to him like pictures pictures just shout like pictures at him so constantly having oh, pictures okay. in your head of like what's going on um, so from a young age, young age it's just kind of been or it was you know just part of the way that Frank Lampard Junior um, would would you know operate and play on the field yeah um, it's something that can be certainly coached but I think that looking into some of the work that Guillaume Jordé has has done um, and said um, that the timing is is absolutely key Um, and he he said that the the correct timing is to essentially make sure that you're looking at the ball when the ball is being touched by your teammate okay and don't look away when they're touching the ball but between touches and immediate so immediately after a touch that's when you want to look away because if if a, if your teammates about to touch the ball and you look away you don't have that much information of then where the ball might end up so if you know that they're taking just a little touch take a little look away if they're taking a big touch making a pass or whatever you know where the ball's going to go but then once you know where the ball's going to go have a quick look around that timing is really important there so we're talking about minute timings here aren't we because I'm picturing when you're saying that you know say Harry Maguire's bringing the ball out from the back as he does and he takes a touch and the ball moves forward a yard and then he moves on it's almost in that in that split second when when Harry Maguire isn't on the ball and is is dribbling forward I need to look over my shoulder to see where I am and then when he touches the ball again I need to look Mm. over the shoulder to see what's changed we're talking split second changes aren't we from from the positions but I guess that's that's how nuanced it sort of is yeah yeah absolutely and that's where it's different from if there's, you know, a winger flying down the touchline and taking a lot of little touches. It's obviously different there. And that comes yeah, into, yeah. into the... <laughs> Your res- head would be going mad. <laughs> well, exactly. exactly. You'd get dizzy, <laughs> wouldn't you? But it's, but it's an important point. And that's something which they've shown in the research. Again, come on to it. But that difference from where on the pitch you're scanning or, you know, what the position of the player is. Essentially, again, we'll come on to it in more detail, but forwards, you know, strikers scan a lot less than midfielders and defenders because the speed of which the ball is being played and obviously there's a there's more of a funnel towards the goal then rather than uh, let's say that there's a let's say it's Fred receiving the ball from Harry Maguire he's in the center of the pitch he's got more of a 360 degree view 360 degree way that he could turn left or right um, he needs to have those pictures in his head yeah. as to to where he needs to go. So it's you know it's slightly different in that regard. But um, but yeah, no, you're right. They would need to to have a lot of scans, and it comes into all the different things which are sort of measurable scanning behaviours um, of things like micro scans. So just a little glance over. There's a difference between fully looking behind you and you know looking over your shoulder versus just yeah. even eye movements. Not even moving your head. Just a little look left and right. What's in your you know your immediate surroundings. 
Um, a glance, if you will. A glance, yeah. So what is essentially a glance, you know, around is is a micro scan. Um, as we spoke about the timing, um, obviously the direction, um, how long you look away for as well at the other side of things. So do you really take a good one sort of single look around, really get that picture, or do you just have a you know a shorter one? Um, I'd be in danger of someone. I'd be like looking over my shoulder, like, okay, so there's five players over there, <laughs> and then the ball gets played in. And you're like, Ryan, look up. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Pay attention, Ryan. Exactly. I've done that again yeah. before in in a five aside where I've tried to. I, I genuinely have tried to to do it a lot more when I've just been playing in the middle, and it made my first touch worse because I'd sometimes yeah. look when the ball's even being played into me. If if it's a sort of a medium to long pass. There's time for the ball to reach me. But if you look away from the ball for one second, you then obviously, you know, take it off the ball and you don't control it as well. So um, yeah. it's it's an Lots absolute to think skill. About. It's an absolute skill. And as I say, it's done when it's done seamlessly, it's made to look easy, but it's far from it, obviously at the elite level. So to sum up in terms of what makes you a good scanner then, it's essentially there isn't a simple answer to that. It's it's all of these measurable scanning behaviours that kind of all form into it basically. Yeah, yeah, you can, you know, you, you add them up um, altogether. It's just how, uh, you know, the timing of your scanning, how frequently you're scanning. Are you scanning yeah. um, for one to two seconds? Are you just, you know, half a second quickly looking over your shoulder? So many different things. Um, and, and yeah, there, yeah, there's, a, there's more of a nuanced answer than just, you know, the more you do it, the better. Lovely stuff. So you mentioned before our man, Gear Jordet. I hope I've also pronounced hmm. the name correctly. Uh, you mentioned that uh, he had done several studies um, into how you can quantify scanning. Can you tell me a little bit more, Mark, about uh, what you read into? Yeah, so as I said, since 1998, um, he has you know published and released quite a lot of research papers in, in academic journals, which are available for people to, to search um, online. Um, so this has been, you know, out there for quite some time now, but there's an interesting one that's um, from last year, from 2020, um, a, a bigger study uh, that really caught my eye. So uh, essentially what the, the study was doing was looking at the, the ways that um, they had 27 professional football players uh, in the Premier League. Um, cool. And they looked at the ways that they use scanning um, across um, over half a season's worth of matches um, and yeah, the conditions of which they they exhibited these these scanning behaviours. So essentially the researchers themselves uh, had video analysis and just sort of honed in on those players for um, an extended period of time across a number of games. Um, and they looked at, well, again, what they found, like we just mentioned before, is that positional differences. So central midfielders and central defenders scanned the most frequently um, of anyone on the pitch and, and the forwards um, the least of any uh, player on the pitch. And it kind of is also position on the pitch dependent as well as position of the yeah. player dependent because you don't need to have as much scanning behaviours if you're hugging the touchline because you've essentially got the picture of what's around you already kind of thing. If you're in the centre of the pitch, let's say you're in the centre circle, as I mentioned before, you've got an absolutely 360 degree yeah. potential to kind of move there. You need to know all around you. Whereas if you're maybe yeah the, the left winger, you've got, you've got your back to the touchline so you don't obviously need to look behind you um so there's differences there uh, as well which again makes sense but um they actually yeah, yeah, quantified so. that um and yeah they found that players scan more frequent which i think is quite an interesting one they they scan more frequently prior to giving passes more so than when they uh, they dribble or when they shoot so if they if they're more likely to 
to obviously need to know where what they need to do with the ball next because a player is moving, then they're more likely to yeah. scan. Whereas if they receive it and then the head's going to be down anyway because they need to dribble um, and hold on oh, to the ball that's for a period of time, um, then, then it obviously dictates how much you scan there. Um, but like I said before, it was it very much backed up um, what they'd, that they've been finding for, for many years, that the essentially the more a player does scan, um, the higher the probability that they will uh, complete the pass that they make. Um, so yeah, there's obviously far more you know nuances to how many passes a player completes. It's not just how many times they scan, but it does seem to have a uh, a small but um, important role in in how much um, they or how well they perform within a football game. Absolutely. I wonder if does any this might be a silly question, but does things like game state or anything that's right? I use the word yeah. game state. Uh, do, does does things like that affect how much you scan I wonder you know if you're if you're one nil down and it's like the 89th minute and you and the ball's played into your feet I wonder if you're still thinking right I need to look around check what what's the best thing to do or are you just thinking right we need to get it upfield like just you know sort of don't don't worry about looking over your shoulder get it into the feet and lump it the other way I wonder if that has any effect on on how much how much a player scans yeah no it, it may well do i think that's a, that's more of a broader one maybe for another episode as well of just decision making in general yeah, yeah. Is, are you and that's what you know that probably separates the the good from the great doesn't it we're talking about elite football players here the ones who you know the title winners the ones who come from behind the ones who score the last minute goals are the ones who mm. keep their head Keep their head. Keep scanning. Well, keep scanning. Keep scanning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's how we're going to sign off this episode. But uh, (laughs) that's that. You know, they're the ones who have got that. You know, still that that cool head, that calm presence of mind to, uh, you know, stay. Yeah, stay calm and uh, and make sure they're making the right decisions, not just a quick decision, because then they're not actually performing how they would for the for the rest of the the game when they're not losing. So uh, it's no coincidence that those elite players manage to always find a way to, to score and to find that right pass. So I think it would it would count for something. I mean, this all sounds absolutely foolproof, to be honest, this study, and it, it all makes sense. Is there any limitations to it, Mark? Or is there anything that isn't quite 100% when looking at this? Yeah, I mean, I think that in a, in a general sense, obviously in a footballing sense, there's there's no limitations to obviously learning the the process and the skill of scanning but i i see what yeah. you mean in terms of the research side of it um yeah i guess there's always limitations with with every bit of research uh, i suppose but um in this sense i guess it's it can be somewhat subjective in terms of what constitutes a scan so yes in in what i guess this is what's called qualitative research in that the the as humans you decide what is a scan and what isn't a scan and what they'll do is is have processes in place where there'll be multiple people who can um corroborate or agree on on let's say that you're watching Aiden Hazard that they'll have maybe three or four people who separately see how many scans Aiden Hazard does and come to the same agreement that they they agree that he did 50 scans in the first few minutes or whatever that's what's called inter-rater reliability so to ensure that you have wow. a reliable output that you all agree upon so trying to find ways to make sure that you're accurate in what constitutes a scan but then as i say they have you know close video analysis but it might be a really subtle eye movement from Aiden hazard doesn't even yeah. move his head and that might have been a scan there but it might not necessarily be picked up in the video so it's quite yeah it's, exactly it's quite difficult there 
Um, by the way, that's another one of those I want that job, like just just to watch it and Hazard's eyes, just to see if they move. How do you get that job? I think that's something that he said in in uh, one of his presentations, and we'll put a link in the bio. But um, he said that he's you know he's developed a research lab, this Gear Day, and he says that his students have the best job in football or best job in the yeah. world that they get to go to ground, set up a video, and just watch a player, which is fantastic. Just watch a player. I don't know Brilliant. how you get into that. I never knew that existed, but um, no. But but that's what's interesting about the research is that you know years ago it was probably I don't know I mean there was obviously video so maybe it was just video of you know going to the ground and, and watching it on video but now there's more and more mm. ways to to maybe quantify it using more of an automated system using um, computers essentially um, but also more more complex ways using technology to see how much a player is scanning so the some of the work that they're doing as a research lab is to look at um eye tracking movements so that they got some professional footballers um from uh, the norwegian league i believe to actually put on in a friendly game to put on some glasses and you can certainly just track the eye movements and see how much they are actually looking away and quantify that a little bit more as well which is interesting um they're also using virtual reality as well which is becoming more and more popular um and and using you know t- again technology in that way which i think is is really fun um and there's been uh, a research paper that's out this year um as well uh, called scanning activity in elite youth football players and that's a paper uh, led by uh, carl marius axum um again part of uh, gear day's lab research lab um but a really interesting paper um, that's looked at it um, from an under 19s and under 17s um, tournament as well so we'll link that in the the bio as well so there's still loads and loads of research going on um, in this and there's actually kind of technology has opened it up even further now um, to be able to look at it in in far more detail which is really interesting love it i've got to say mark i really enjoyed discussing that and we should uh, we should give a shout out to nicholas hagenhoff who uh, reached out to us on twitter and uh, sent us some articles didn't he and and, and pointed yep. us in the right direction to explore this topic a bit more having heard as the, on the last episode that we were going to look into scanning so uh, thank you nicholas for getting in touch on that and uh, yeah i thought that was i thought it was really interesting mark thank you very much that was a fun one no we always enjoy doing the the more of the the meaty ones and the ones where there's you know research and um, but you know we like to mix it up don't we ryan and you just got to remember to keep scanning <laughs> yes <laughs> if you said that yes please at that <laughs> Well, there you have it. I now know a lot more about scanning than I did 35 minutes ago. <laughs> so I'm very, very happy about that, Mark. But let's turn our attention to what we've been waiting for for the last few weeks. The Premier League starts tomorrow evening. How excited are you? I am I am very excited. I've been watching uh, some pre-season games and it's never quite the same. But uh, no. I am very much looking forward to it. I suppose we should say as well that um, Ligue 1, the French League, has has begun, as have uh, other leagues like the Scottish League as well. So I know that we do absolutely have a uh, a tendency to gravitate towards the Premier League, but um, <laughs> other leagues are available, I should suppose. Other leagues are available. One of them's got a very big new player, apparently. Yeah, so, yeah all good. so I've heard. A very small, but very big new player. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, yeah, there's obviously... There's, football has, has started to to get back into to full swing. And now it's the Premier League's turn this weekend, which, yeah, I am really looking forward to. Um, I think, yeah, from from my perspective, it'll be great to see Liverpool uh, at full strength back to somewhat normal. Um, so from a fan's perspective, from my own team's perspective, very much looking forward to see the Reds. Absolutely. And as you say, I think across leagues, 
everywhere. Fans are going to be very excited just to get back in the stadiums to watch their team. So let's hope that that continues. I think what I'd like to see this season, Mark, is a closer title race. I think that leading up to the end of the season, the la- the past two seasons, be it Liverpool or Man City, uh, has, has just by April, it's been wrapped up, hasn't it? Or, you know, leading into the final week. So it'd be nice to see it pushed to the wire. Obviously, Chelsea looking strong this season, aren't they? Man United have very much gone under the radar in terms of their new signings because there's been so much else going on. So hopefully they'll be stronger. Liverpool, as you say, back to full strength, hopefully. Uh, so yeah, should be... I'm hoping there's a more exciting conclusion this year than, than maybe in the past couple of seasons. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I think that it was uh, it was more towards the the top four, wasn't it, in the final few weeks of last season to try and find a mm. bit of excitement to you know see who's going to finish where. But yeah, the the league title for the past two seasons, as you say, has been been wrapped up fairly fairly early doors. Liverpool's quite a bit earlier, um, not yeah. to brag, but they were. But also, um, and at the other end, I think it'd be great to see a tight relegation fight you know I, th- I think that you know there's, there's been a couple of times hasn't there in recent seasons where a, a team's been ruled out from very early on in the season because they haven't amassed enough points it'd be great to see it go right to the wire and uh, the team's fighting for their lives wouldn't it yeah yeah that's true um, I, I'd be interested to see again how how Norwich do with respect to Michael Bailey of course uh, second plug uh, of that one that, um, <laughs> Michael Bailey the Athletics uh, Norwich City writer just whether or not they'll learn from I guess the mistakes from from last time whether they'll have a better campaign um I'm excited to see Brentford I think they'll be uh they might surprise a few people Watford yeah. of course bouncing straight back as well um in terms of you know promotion from the the championship but we you know with that in mind Ryan who is your who's your tip for the Premier League title it's early doors we've not even kicked a ball in the Premier League yet but who would be your tip for the title that's a really good question I think my tip would be I kind of caveat it with if Man City sign another striker, brackets Harry Kane, but even if they signed another striker, I think I actually think Chelsea might be stronger with with more months of Thomas Tuchel masterminding the whole thing, with Lukaku leading the head and just lots of excited exciting players buzzing around him. Uh I, I think they're gonna be a strong, strong outfit Chelsea this season. But if Man City sign a another striker with whatever money they have left, then uh, it'll be interesting. You know, I think then it's very hard not to not to back them, isn't it? I'm not sure Liverpool will do it, Mark, this season. Are you, are you backing them regardless or as a fan or mm. which approach are you taking? Yeah, it's, it's heart and head stuff, isn't it? I think, um, I, I agree. I think it's hard to look beyond Chelsea. I think that um, they probably would be my, my tip um, for the season. I think that Liverpool may be second or third. Obviously, it's between... Man City and Liverpool for second and third if I'm putting Chelsea as as winners but I don't know Chelsea can fall away I know they have a tendency Tuchel's a fantastic manager they've just won the Champions League but they have a tendency to fall away when you think they're scary I look back at you know seasons gone by of like Jose Mourinho um, in that era when they just fell apart Um, the Felipe Scolari sort of time going back to the late 2000s when I thought that okay I'm scared about Chelsea now and then they fell away yeah um, they rotate their managers so quickly that it can be, it can be you know heavenly one week and, and hell the next. So, if, providing that they're stable, Chelsea, I would I would tip them as well. Um, but we just don't know. The Premier League throws up some surprises, so we'll see. 
We just don't know, and that is the beauty of it. But anyway, we're very excited on the Football Fanalytics podcast for the season. Back up and running, and uh, hopefully we'll have more exciting stuff for you in the coming weeks as the season progresses, and we'll look forward to bringing you more episodes and content along the way. So I think we should wrap it up, Mark. That was a lovely episode. I really enjoyed that. And uh, I think it's that time where we tell the listeners where they can get in touch with us, as has become a custom at the end of uh, every episode we've ever done. So for those in- interested in uh, contacting us, please, we'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback. Tell us uh, some ideas you'd like to hear on the pod. Anything along those lines, you can get in touch with us on social media. We are at Fanalytics Pod on Twitter, Instagram. We're not quite cool enough for TikTok yet, but maybe one day. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us via email, you can email us at fanalytics.com pod at gmail.com and uh, that's everything from us this week we hope you've enjoyed this episode please do share please tell your friends get everyone listening to the football fan analytics podcast and in the meantime have a great weekend and we will see you next time sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.